Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome on into the Wolverine.com podcast. Clayton Safey here with Ant Wright, our analyst, also former Michigan basketball player. We're here to break down Michigan's 87 to 70 blowout win over Michigan State on Tuesday night at Chrysler Center. Huge win for the Wolverines for their NCAA tournament hopes here. Two regular season games remaining. We'll talk about the bubble and all that at the end of the show. Uh, but we'll break down the game itself first. And for those watching on YouTube, we have a picture here on the screen of Hunter Dickinson celebrating after one of his 13 made baskets. We were talking before we went on air that 13, that's a career high for Hunter Dickinson. That's about as many as you can get in a college game, it feels like. Um, that's 13 celebrations for Hunter Dickinson. And he was celebrating after each and every make looking over at the Michigan State bench. Tom Izzo obviously at one point had to stop the game or was talking to the officials, and there was a delay there, and the fans were going crazy and, uh, you know, telling them them to tell him to stop. They did tell him to stop. Martelli said he forgot to tell Hunter to stop. Uh, (laughs) And then he finally was like, oh, yeah, Hunter, stop doing that. Make it about your play. Um, And he took him out for a second, put uh, B. Johns in, but then Hunter comes back in. When he had that and one, dunk i mean that was that was like the tominaga technical except a celebration uh where he was just running down the floor and the tominaga technical obviously against nebraska everyone remembers that but uh so i guess i just want to ask you about the antics there but hunter dickinson i said 13 made buckets 33 points for him that's a career high one of the all-time performances in this rivalry you talk about Stu Douglas making the shot or Zach Novak that same game going off. Mo Wagner, I think, had 27, right, 
in, in 2018. Trey Burke with the steal. Nick Stauskas with a bunch of points in 14. Um, this is up there, if not one of the better performances I've seen. 21 points in the second half where he just took over. They were going to him possession after possession. Phil Martelli was, uh, you know, said that Howard Isley called a flawless game on offense. Not to take anything away from him, but when you have that in your bag where you can just say, hey, we're going to go to the big fellow, we're going to go to number one, it makes it a hell of a lot easier um, as well. And and I thought they, they played really well. We'll hit on a bunch of topics here, but Hunter Dickinson is story number one. Yeah, for sure. You know, he was uh, he was very good. He was very, very good. And, uh, you know, throughout, throughout the game, I was uh, thinking about a conversation I had with um, – if you guys don't know, so one of the AAU coaches that coached Hunter um, coaches in the WCC, which is Hunter's conference. He also coached Hunter with AAU. That was my coach as well in AAU. Who's that? So like um, Mo Vest, Mo okay. Vest, Morello. And uh, um, I talked with him uh, before and, you know, one thing about Hunter is that, like, people are, like, saying, like, yeah, Hunter's doing all this stuff for show, da, da, da. Vest told me that, like, Hunter's been doing this for as long as he's known him. It doesn't matter who it is, where he's at. He's going to talk his stuff, and he's going to chirp, and he's going to have fun because he loves basketball, and, you know, he loves to he loves to do his thing, and it keeps him engaged, and, um and when you're on last night, especially a guy like Hunter, and you go what thirteen for nineteen, and you're basically eating, and like he, it's it is, and it's like not like he had, you know, three or four threes to go along with it because that would have been just ridiculous, right? But you know, he was able to, you know, the spin baseline dunk, and one, uh, the other spin marble almost fell dunk. I mean, it was just. It was just a masterful game from both blocks, and and uh, he kind of showed off everything. And um, I think Michigan needed that, and I think they needed their their uh, leader to kind of um, come through like that and kind of put the put the team on his back. And like, yeah, guy stepped up too, but but he was definitely the head of the the uh, the uh, the uh, train on that one for sure. Yeah. And the thing I loved the most was, you know, I was at that game in East Lansing and they left him in single coverage a lot. They, you know, in, in, he was aggressive to an extent where he was taking a lot of shots. He had 19 shots as Phil Martelli pointed out in that game, he had 19 shots in this game. And a lot of those shots against Michigan state the first time around were hook shots, you know, he's more eight feet away. I don't know how many dribbles he averages a game, but I feel like he went well over that average in this game because he, as you said, he just getting deeper, getting deeper. Like you're better, bigger, stronger than all of Michigan state's big guys. You know, why not just bury them deep and finish with some dunks? And if you watch the MGO blue TV segment with Ed Kongersky, uh, Frankie Collins was making fun of Hunter for finally dunking and finally being athletic. They've been telling him to do it for a while. So he did that in this game. I thought that was key where he was patient. He was like, I'm just going to get all the way to the rim. As you said, some of those baseline spins, the and one uh, towards the end of the game where, you know, and they, as you said, they had to cycle in Julius Marble, Matty Sissoko, Joey Hauser guarded him at one point. Marcus Bingham guarded him and none of them. They were just cycling them in and out, seeing if somebody could have some 
semblance of success, and they didn't. Uh, so, an unbelievable performance from. from it was all food. It's food. It was. It was. It was a buffet, and new big is was just a new plate to just devour, you know. And um, when you have someone like Marcus Bingham who ended up breaking the Michigan State shot blocking record in that game last night, if he's unplayable because he couldn't guard you, I mean. That's one of the better defenders in the league when it comes to being able to rim protect and have good hands and block shots. Um, it didn't matter who they threw at Hunter. Like, they threw a whole plethora type of dudes at him. They went, you know, small ball for leverage with Joey. They went big brute with marble. They went with a brute with some athleticism with Sissoko. They went with you know, extreme length, so seven foot, seven, six wingspan with, with uh, Bingham. And it just, it just did not matter who was on him. No, not at all. My favorite thing about Michigan State's big guys is when they pick up a foul, they just put their hand up. They don't even complain. They're in there to foul. Matty Sissoko, I mean, <laughs> the dude's in there to just maul guys uh, and they just cycle them in and out. But yeah, obviously a unbelievable performance from Hunter Dickinson lifted them in that second half. Um, you know, anytime, you know, Michigan State made their run, but Michigan was able to answer with not only Hunter Dickinson, but other guys, but it was mainly him, um, you know, especially in that second half. I wanted to also touch on um, the defense from Michigan. I know Michigan State, you know, they didn't play well offensively, but I, and I know A.J. Hogard was sick. Tom Izzo made sure to point that out in the post game. Uh, Tyson Walker was, I guess, injured apparently as well but here's the thing Michigan played into Michigan State's hands in that first meeting they allowed 25 fast break points uh 27 points on ball screens which is just ridiculous they were they were put in a blender by the Michigan State offense which if you go back and if you look at the stats like they've lost six of eight games or whatever it is that was really like that's that was their best performance of the season and you know Michigan took away those free points, right? They limited to nine transition points in this game. They limit them to 11 points on the ball screen. In this game, going under screens, um, you have, you know, you're playing drop coverage instead of hedging most of the time that first time around. So the adjustments Michigan made, I thought were key. And I thought they would be key coming into this game. Michigan State, they basically were like, we're going we're gonna to do our the thing that we did the first time. We're going to do what we tried to do to Purdue on Saturday as well. And... So I think that is kind of the chess match that goes into playing teams twice in, in the Big Ten, a league that is scouted so well. Uh, what would you see out of the transition defense? That was a huge emphasis. I know they gave up some points early in that area, but that makes it even more impressive that it was, what, only five points the rest of the game after a couple easy buckets early? Yeah, I mean, that first game, you know, we had guards who weren't even picking up the ball. And if you don't pick up the ball and you're playing against one of the better transition offense teams in the country – uh, you're not going to have a good time. So I think they did a much better job at picking up ball first um, and then getting out to their wings. Um, but I think uh, Eli Brooks has gotten a bit of heat because he's not really you know, scoring as much or being as efficient. But the job that he did on Max Christie was very, very good. I mean, Max, Max Christie was held four, four for 12 from the field, 0 for 2 from 3, I think. Um, and then the Bucks that Max did score, I mean, they were 
they were either not on him or he was like wide open in some like broken play. Um, I think Eli, Eli did a very good job um, keeping him inefficient as he has been this year, but he's one of those guys where you see the talent and you know the talent is there. And it's just a matter for him to like break out into that. That's one. Um, I would say Kobe Bufkin, um, big shout outs to him because he he gave up four points um back to back. He gave up a um he gave up an offensive rebound and he gave up uh he fouled a three-point shooter, I believe in back-to-back possessions. He came out and he went right back in a few minutes later, which I think was big for his confidence and the staff. And from that point forward, defensively, he was pretty good, which was awesome to see. Um, Frankie, um, they had a they had some cluster concepts that would confuse a lot of teams that included Frankie and included also Kobe and some of the younger guys. And they communicated through that so well based off of where guys were cutting and going back door and coming up and popping out. And um, they did they did such a like night and day from what you saw, you know, a couple months ago, whether it was Michigan State or some or somebody else. They just they're they're doing a lot better job communicating. Um also uh Musa Musa did a really nice job too because Musa kind of took a step back for Hunter, right? He wasn't trying to like, yeah, me and Hunter about to beast is like, no, Hunter's about Hunter's Hunter's gonna eat. I'm gonna, you know, I'll fill in where I can. He didn't try to overstep his bounds and mess up any type of flow. Um, uh, Caleb was much better defensively, too. I just think everybody, um, everybody was on the same page, and I think they felt some type of way when they let up what 93 to Illinois. That's a lot of points. Um, and they took that purse personal in this game. They still gave it what 70, but um, a lot of that was because the game was going pretty quick back and forth. Yeah, for sure. It was a much higher possession game than I thought it was going to be. Um, you know, so Frankie Collins, I wanted to bring him up separately as well, and you touched on it. He was fantastic, and he might have saved that first half for Michigan. So, Devontae Jones, two terrible turnovers early in the half, within the first three minutes, two fouls, right? It was kind of like Devontae Jones against name name your team early in the year, right? You know, when he was getting in foul trouble, Seton Hall, you know, some of those games. Frankie Collins comes in. I think we've said this before about him and Kobe at times this year, and there's no knock on them. This is a freshman thing. You kind of hold your breath a little bit. Okay, you know, we'll, we'll see what they can piece together. Martelli said it too. He was like, we called on Frankie. We had confidence in him. We didn't say, hey, we're going to move Eli over to the point and try to bring somebody else in. But that was in the back of their mind that they had that option too. So they bring in Frankie. Looking up the stats, um, Michigan State, when Frankie Collins was in in the first half, and he didn't play in the second half, but four of 16 shooting, five turnovers. When he was not in in the first half, they were seven of 12, no turnovers. He forced a couple of those turnovers himself. I know he turned it over a couple times himself as well, but he had four assists that were huge, that he was able to run that offense. Uh, He didn't score in this game, but he was one of the more valuable guys in this game. It allowed Michigan to lead by 16 at halftime. Also had three rebounds. Love watching him sky for rebounds, but uh, he was was outstanding. 
Terrence Williams was the guy that that really you know shook things up as well, hitting three threes in the first half. Something that Tom Izzo uh, kind of complained about in the post game as well, like he did about Xavier Simpson a couple of years ago, where if a guy doesn't hit threes on the scouting report and they do in the game, he gets mad that they were leaving him open. It's like, well, you're choosing to to do that, but um, right. that that's kind of the way it goes. And Terrence Williams, every time you say no, why is he shooting that? He makes it, yeah. <laughs> and every time he has a good shot, it seems like it's you know it's fifty fifty, but. Right. Huge from the bench. Brandon Johns hits the three as well. He had five points. Those guys, for as much as we talk about the bench, and you know they, they haven't been good, but they lifted that team, I thought, in the first half. They did. Um, T-Will. Okay, so the minutes are in now. So T-Will played 22 minutes and you know, nine points and four rebounds. It's a pretty good job off the bench. Um, but, you know, you know, Caleb goes out. Devontae goes out. That game could have easily sputtered. But I think that, you know, Frankie did, like, that's that's kind of what we were expecting early on, right? You know, him to be able, like, you know, hey, you're going to come in and you're going to, um, you know, you're going to offer some, you're going to offer a change of pace. You're going to give the team a different look. Um, and there were times in the first half where Michigan didn't need to run offense. They were like, hey, give the ball to Frankie. And because he's, bigger and stronger and more athletic than who's in front of him. Um, and very seldomly you, you see that with the freshman guard, right? But he's super athletic. He can get to where he wants to go. Uh, he got to the paint relentlessly. And when when the ball hits the paint, like really good things happen. Because when the ball's in the paint, now everybody is looking away from their man and everyone just naturally – comes to it and he's he was attracted to like three players almost every time he he tried going up over three guys at one point <laughs> i think that's when he drew the foul now i said this he was channeling xavier simpson uh remember xavier came in in that 2017 game at home and played really well uh you know in maybe like 10 minutes of play you know didn't put up great stats but uh, against michigan state he was channeling him including with the two missed free throws and if xavier's watching i'm sure he'd he's still pissed off about that but um you know that that was just a a great performance from the young fella yeah and like you know and that's what you need when there's a situation where like Devonte had like 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 yeah there were like bad fouls but they were like super unfortunate like one of them he was off balance with Tyson Walker in the paint. Walker didn't want to shoot that ball, but he was just off balance and nudged him. And then um and then he had Max Christie on him. And then he just like acted like Max Christie is not like six, 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 seven. Just tries to like throw the ball over him and then tries to get it back and he fouls again. He's just like like stuff like that happens, right? And to have someone like Frankie to come in right away um and do what he did, uh the, like that's that's what they need. Like they don't need Frankie to be that guy who's going to come in and be a Swiss Army knife yet. Like he will be at some point. But you kind of saw in the second half when when Jones came back, you saw how he impacted the game as well. Whether he's getting into the paint, dishing to the right guys, dishing to the guys from the perimeter, uh, scoring the ball, taking advantage of his size and his height. Um, I think he, 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 I think he had a three or two, um, like 
that was so awesome to see being him to stay dialed in when he sat for dang near 20 minutes in that first half, being him being able to come back and, you know, and do what he did. I, I think it shows even a lot of confidence between Devante and Frankie knowing that, Hey, Devante, I got you. I know you're down, but I got you. And then when the second half starts, Hey, Hey Frankie, good looks. I'll take it from here. Like that's just, a that was just, um, really good to see when we were very skeptical, not, not me, but a lot, like 98% of people were very skeptical of the point guard play, uh, over the first, like two, two and a half months. For sure. Um, and, and that's something Phil Martelli brought up last night was the relationship between Frankie and Devante, how they're rooting for each other. Um, how Frankie plays better because Devante's playing better. Um, and he's seeing what Devante's doing. They're helping each other out in practice. Devante said last week they they have one of the tightest relationships on the team, even though he feels like people on the outside try to, you know, make it like a Frankie versus Devante thing. Right. It's not the case. And last night was also big, and Martelli pointed this out as well, for the future. You know, he basically said Frankie's going to have the ball next year. And I know Doug McDaniel's going to have something to say about that as well, but or potentially a transfer, but – yeah, right now it's Frankie Collins that would be the guy next year if you if you had to put money on it probably, and uh, and that's big for the future. Um, I want to real quick hit on Caleb Houston specifically before we talk about Iowa a little bit, but sure. you know he's just become. And I know I saw you retweet my the stat um, that I tweeted yesterday that it has since gone up to his effective field goal percentage as a spot up shooter. Um, leads the big 10 64.1% now, which, you know, factors in obviously goes up for threes, you know, it's, it adjusts for, for how many points you're scoring. Uh, so obviously helps that he's, he's a sharpshooter, but uh, for volume guys in the big 10, he leads uh, the league. He has scored 21, 21 and 16 in his last three games. We talked about it last week, how much better he is at home. His three point shooting percentage at home is up over 49% which is just getting ridiculous at this point. He, he was two for two last night, uh, and it just keeps going up. But, yeah. man, this kid is not playing like a lottery pick. I'm not saying that because I, I think he needs more in his toolbox, but he's playing and producing like one of the better players right now uh, on Michigan's team, on you know several teams in the Big Ten. A lot of teams could use a Caleb Houston. He's just feels more mature to me out there, under control, what have you seen from him lately? I know this has been – I feel like every week it's like he's making those strides, but it, it's come to the point now where he's playing at a super high level. Yeah, so, like, def- defensively he's gotten a bit better uh, positionally and playing stronger and not just letting guys drive even though he's right there. He's playing a lot stronger in that regard. Um, you know, he also had foul trouble last night too, and uh, he – and he came right back in the second half, like, like, like he's played the previous twenty minutes, um, and that's a sign of maturity, you know. And that's really good to see. And that, and that kind of goes with the whole, that kind of goes with the whole thing. Where like, if you're a freshman and you played a lot of minutes this year, you're not a freshman anymore. You're more like a sophomore, um, and that's what you're kind of seeing with him, where the game is kind of coming to him. Um, being more aggressive, like seven, seven free throws, seven free throws is pretty good for, for a jump shooter. Um, 
he's getting to the basket. I know. And then it sucks because he got his second foul when he missed an open layup where the ball slipped at the oh, end. And then yeah. he like reached in and he knew right away. Um, That's one of those things. It's just like an instinct almost. Cause it's, yeah. it's literally the definition of a frustration foul. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but he's letting, he's just letting the game come to him and uh, he's not doing the whole forcing thing. And, uh, He's you know he's he's doing exactly what he's been doing his whole life, is just chilling. And now he understands his role. He understands the team. He understands how he's going to get his shots. He understands where he's going to get his shots. When in the first couple months he didn't know because he had a bunch of dudes that were coming together who were learning new things about him about themselves. And when when pieces start to fit. I think that's when Caleb is at his is at his best because he knows where guys are where where guys are around him. He's he knows if certain guys have the ball, this is where he should be. Um, when he's not worried about that stuff and that's coming more natural, that's when you're going to have him with these uh, really good games because he's not being thrown into some like I'm not going to say some like AAU game, but like he's not being thrown into some type of uh, uh, unstructured ordeal where, you know, guys are like, well, should I get mine? Should I pass it? Now the offense is flowing. Guys are getting their touches and getting their looks. He's not taking bad shots. Like he's, he's passing up some shots now that he would have taken a couple months ago. And knowing that he, he's going to get a much better shot maybe here in, a couple, a couple of uh, possessions, but uh, he's he's growing a lot. He's growing a lot for sure. Great point there, Phil Martelli said one of his favorite plays or one of his favorite shots that Caleb Houston had last night was one that he passed up, and then Michigan ended up getting a great shot. So um, I, I think that's a that's a great point. You know, the fact that he's he's not forcing things right now. Um, Let's talk quick about Iowa. I know you got to go, um, and we'll we'll do a podcast probably later in the week. Uh, it's just crazy right now with all these games and quick turnarounds, but we'll try yeah. to figure something out. But the Hawkeyes on Thursday night, Michigan looking for the sweep there. Um, played really well when they went to Iowa City. Keegan Murray, I think you know those cramps helped Michigan out a little bit as well, but they were able to keep him in check, I guess, as much as you can. But he is a he's a hell of a player, going to be a lottery pick. Um, your take on Iowa coming in here, short rest for Michigan, but a good point again, Martelli, he just, I feel like all I'm doing is repeating him, but he had a great point about how it being spring break. Sure. There's going to be less students at these games, but these guys don't have class. They can get more treatment. They can recover. They can get back in for shoot arounds. They can watch more film. So they're not going to be as tired as you normally would be on this short of a turnaround. Uh, your quick thoughts on Iowa heading into Thursday night, senior night for these guys as well. All right, so it's going to be Musa and Brandon Johns. They're they're going to be the, the most important players here. They've got to be able to neutralize Keegan and Murray. Keegan Murray is going to get his, whether you want want him to or not. He's just that good of a player. If they're able to, even like even like T. Will, if if T. Will Johns and Musa, if they can come together and neutralize him with his with his production, Michigan has a good chance at winning. Um, I don't think Patrick McCaffrey or Anybody else that Iowa has is better than the guys surrounding Musa, T. Will, and Brandon. So 
Um, it's going to come down to those three being able to neutralize him. You cannot let him go off for 30, 35 when those guys are in foul trouble and not hitting shots. If that happens, Michigan's going to mm-hmm. lose this game. Uh, they have got to find a way to um, to match his production with their forwards as a you know as a group as a unit. Um, and then you know Hunter's got to eat because they're not very very big. Um, if they elect to trap, if they elect to if they elect to trap, um, they they have to make shots. And then being at home. Um, you've seen them make shots more times than not, but they've got to let that come to fruition for sure. Definitely. Um, so that will be huge. Michigan looks like they need one more win to kind of feel pretty good about themselves. I would say it'd be a surprise if they win this game on Thursday and end up not making the NCAA tournament, but I guess you never know what can happen is we were talking up in the press area with, you know, with Ballas and Broom last night, Michigan still has a chance of potentially getting the four seed in the big 10 tournament. Still, they need Ohio state to lose out Michigan state to lose to Maryland and Michigan to win uh, the rest of its games, but it's possible. And uh, I know they've kind of been one of these inconsistent back and forth. You win one, you lose one type of games, but if they can find any sort of consistency down the stretch, we've seen that Michigan playing its best basketball is really tough to beat. Uh, ask Michigan State, you know, ask Rutgers last week, Purdue, Iowa on the on the road. So, uh, you know, if Michigan can get two in a row here, their first uh, win streak, it would be in, I think, three weeks. Um, so that would be massive for Michigan. So stick with us at the Wolverine.com. We'll have full coverage before the game, during the game, after the game uh, for that one on Thursday. And then, of course, on Sunday against Ohio State. And uh, we'll see everyone over there. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in 
West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.